Yo, what up, guys? Welcome back to the fastest growing sports gambling podcast in the tri state area. We got double A Anthony Alessino. We got the graduate Brian Castiglione. And my name, as always, is James Hawkins. And this is Par Play Group. What up, everybody? It's Parlez Vous, NFL wild card round. Uh, unfortunately, f- unless you live under a rock, you're pretty much aware of the fact that Omicron is ravaging the state of New York right now. My buddies Alessino and Mr. Brian Castiglione, unfortunately, have close contacts. So, your boy's going solo this week. I mean, it's going to be weird. Uh, everyone knows going Solo is definitely harder than going with your boys. You got your chemistry, got guys to bounce ideas off of, and all that good stuff. So I'm going to leave it kind of like a skeleton show this week. We're going to do it pretty quick, probably around a half hour or so. We're going to get in. We're going to talk about the things we got to talk about. We're going to get out. When we get the whole crew back together, hopefully next week, we will summarize everything that's gone on since we last saw each other, like... Mobile gambling, that's legal in the state of New York now. FanDuel Sportsbook, Caesars Sportsbook, DraftKings, it's all good right on your phone in the state of New York, so that's fun. So we've had a lot of fun with that, so I'm not going to step on that too much. We'll do that. We'll kick that around uh, you know, next week down the line when we see the boys. There's a lot of stuff that I'm not going to get too into today, but I do have a few things right off the bat that I want to get into, and that is the Indianapolis Colts coming back down to earth. I mean, Carson Wentz just, he doesn't have it. Like, let's just call it what it is. This is what he's been his entire career for the most part. I mean, the more we see of him, the more it seems like 2018 is the outlier and not, you know, what he could be. I mean, two, three weeks ago, we're talking about nobody wants to see the Colts in the first round of the playoffs. And now here we are, and no one's going to see them because they're all playing golf because they fell apart. I mean, as soon as they said that they'd never won in Jacksonville before, uh, I, I think I'm not alone in this. I, I know Brian bet the Jags money line on Caesars Sportsbook. Shout out Caesars. I'm, I'm willing to bet a lot of people probably went and bet on the Jaguars if they could because this is just written in the stars for what to happen to happen. I mean, Jonathan Taylor pretty much disappears the last couple of weeks of the year. And here comes Carson Wentz. They're playing the worst team in the league by far, bar none, the worst team in the National Football League. All they need to do is win and they're in. And it's pretty much not even close. Carson throws at least two picks that I saw for sure. And, you know, it it doesn't work out. The Colts. So here we look at the trade now. They're giving up the first round pick. Eagles are going to have three. And they gave up the first round pick to go get Carson Wentz. In 2020, the Colts went 11 and 5. 2021, 9-8, and eight, and they missed the playoffs. So they, they won two less games than they did the year before. They're down the first-round pick for, the, for next year, and they're not making the playoffs this year, which is exactly what they brought Carson Wentz in to do. I think, unfortunately, they're probably going to have a decision to make here on him. Maybe they do some kind of a short-term, you know, 2-for-20, so that's really like a 1-for-12, something like that, and see if they can't get this thing back on the wagon here. But just, you know, the, the team they made the trade with, the Eagles, their 2020 record, they went 4-11. and They trade Carson Wentz. They get the extra pick. They say, we're going to rock with Jalen. They go 9-8 and this season. They win five more games. And they're playing in the playoffs. So, I mean, scoreboard after one year is Eagles won Colts nothing the way I see it. I mean, if you guys disagree, 
feel free to let me know in the comments, you know, shoot a text, shoot a DM, whatever you got to do. But that's pretty much the way I see it here. I don't know what's next for Carson Wentz. I would imagine some sort of bridge deal, like I said. And after that, I mean, I don't know. This might be his last shot. I, I couldn't see another team wanting to bring him in, you know. That's all I got to say about that. I mean, local teams making headlines in New York City. Well, I mean, I guess one of the local teams is making headlines in New York City this week. That's the New York Giants. They cleaned house this week, you know, immediately after the regular season ended. They fired Gettleman, although it was like a Gettleman retired sort of deal. But come on, like, let's just call it what it is. They fired the man. And um, about a day later, they fired Joe Judge, who you're not really going to find many New York Giants fans that are upset with the firing. But it was only a few short weeks ago everyone was saying he's going to stay. I think now what we're, you're hearing a bunch of different things in the local media, but what I think is that the the quarterback sneaks from their own goal line that was really what put the nail in the coffin for for him in New York. The other part of the problem here is like let's just be real: you, you're going to get rid of David Gettleman. It's very hard to hire an assistant, uh, a GM rather, and pigeonhole him to a coach or tie him to a coach. See John Idzik. When the New York Jets forced him with Rex Ryan, I mean, that was a disastrous debacle. So I think they know that that isn't really something that they want to do, and they're going to want to not limit themselves to GMs who – because most of these prospective GMs, they're going to, oh, well, you need to you need to have Judge for at least this year. They're going to be like, no, thanks. I'll go, I'll go interview somewhere else, or I'm good being the assistant where I'm at. So you don't want to limit yourself that way. You want to make this franchise better. Shout out to um, Tish who said at the beginning of the year, I think it was Tish, could have been John Mara, said at the beginning of the year, if this team does not seem any closer to a Super Bowl at the end of this year than it did at the end of last year, then there's going to be some changes. And they don't. If anything, you could argue that they're worse off. And, you know, good on Tish and Mara for sticking to their guns. They fired the guys. And we're going to try to recircle the wagons here. You know, the problem is it looks really bleak for the Giants. And I think there's a way that they could get out of this. To a degree. I mean, the, the problem is the talent's there, right? They have no cap space. The talent's there. So I'm not willing to write a lot of these guys off. Even Kenny Galladay. I'm not willing to write Kenny Galladay off just quite yet. I know he hasn't looked great. I know he was hurt a lot. I know when he was in, Danny Jones wasn't looking to him. I'm just not willing to give up on him yet. And the Giants can't because they have a lot of guaranteed money tied to him. But so the one thing that they did say is that they're going to hire the general manager first and then allow the general manager in on the coaching interviews. And, and he's going to have a say, he or she, I should say, is going to have a say in the hiring of the head coach pro head coaching process. Here's some hot names I've heard so far, just, you know, talking to the local, talking around the deli, local radio, internet, national radio, you know, the ringer. The hot name so far, Brian Flores is the obvious one. Ousted after two back-to-back -back winning seasons in Miami. I can't really make any sense of that one either. I mean, you know, what we're hearing is he want, he liked Herbert over Tua. They made him get take Tua. And now he apparently was the biggest one pushing for Deshaun Watson. They wanted to stick with Tua. Now they still want to stick with Tua. And so they needed a scapegoat. And Flores had to be the guy this time around. You know, I mean, eventually they're going to run out of excuses and it's going to have to be Tua. But 
Fortunately, Flores is the sacrificial lamb here. It feels like every year there's a strange firing that doesn't really seem to make any sense, and th that's this this year's firing. I mean, I think it would be a good hire. He seems like a good culture guy, right? He changed that culture in Miami real quick, and that's probably, you know, he's a New York guy. I think he's from Brooklyn or the Bronx. So he's obviously at the top of everyone's list. The other one at the top of the list is Jim Harbaugh coming back from Michigan. Maybe he could possibly be available. Maybe. Is he proven that he can win? Yeah. Does it excite you? No. Uh, Byron Leftwich, maybe he could be exciting. Kellen Moore, I think, is a really intriguing one. I don't think the Giants will hire him. I don't even know if he gets hired this year. But eventually, Kellen Moore will get hired, and I think Kellen Moore has a chance to be really, really shine as a head coach. Uh, I heard a little bit of Todd Bowles. He definitely deserves a shot at another head co coaching opportunity, probably not in New York. But, I mean, he's a guy that really would fit the Giants' mold. You know, from I really liked him. We had him for four years in New York with the Jets. I think he's really like a New York kind of guy, old school, you know. And the one other name that I had heard was Brian Dable, offensive coordinator, Buffalo Bills. Now, I don't know if these two necessarily are like a hand-in-hand -hand deal, but I also heard one of the people they're already interviewing is one of the assistant GMs or something, you know, someone in the front office in Buffalo. So I think that would make a bunch of sense if they're going to bring in a Buffalo guy who's then going to want to maybe hire somebody he's familiar with, another Buffalo guy. Also, Brian Dable, you know, he – Really hasn't been given enough credit for what he's done to that Buffalo Bill offense. I mean, Josh Allen has a lot to do with it, obviously. But I wouldn't necessarily mind an interview or a hire there. I don't want to step too much on Giants stuff because obviously more news is going to come as the week goes on. And by the end of these wild card games and our boys here, Brian and Anthony, they are fans of the New York football Giants. So we'll get their take on it, their opinions on it, what they might want to see the team do. Not going to step on it too much. We will go right on over to my team, the New York Jets. Jets fans, I mean, I've been saying it all year here, and everyone, if you know me, if you've listened to this show, everybody is completely aware I am one of the worst Jets fans there are. I, the Jets, I hate them for what they've done to me, specifically over the last 10 to 15 years. But really, my whole life, it's just been a nightmare. Absolutely disastrous, you know, disaster situation. Other own even 09, 2010, those two seasons probably took five and seven years off of my life, respectively. So even when it was good, it was stress. It wasn't great. For the first time since I'd say like 2009, my friends in green, things are looking up. Now, the defense and the offensive line. They just they got better and better every week, seemingly for the most part, as the year went on. Despite losing top players, uh, Carl Lawson and Marcus May on defense, the two best players on their defense, far and away. And obviously the left tackle, the first-round pick, Mekhi Becton. I mean, a lot of injuries on that offensive line. And the offensive line hasn't been great. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that the offensive line has been great. But it's been better than expected given what – went on with the injury situation this year. And like I said, just as the season went on, they played better. They started moving guys. They started protecting Zach or Joe Flacco or 
Mike White or Josh Johnson, whoever it may be, you know, the protection got a little bit better over the year. Granted, there were still some teams that killed him. He got sacked eight times last week in Buffalo. I understand that. Um, but with that being said, sacked eight times last week in Bu- uh, last week in Buffalo. Did not throw an interception. That's five straight games. Since he came back, he has not thrown an interception. He's turning the ball over less. He's making the smart throws. And he's going back to playing a little bit more boring football. And that's a good thing, Jets fans, because not turning over the ball, obviously. I mean, I don't have to tell you that not throwing interceptions is a good thing, but it's good. Even though he didn't necessarily maybe wow you in an extent in it, to an extent in his last five games, not turning over the ball is huge. He looked like a completely different quarterback. I mean, first, you know, the first however many games before he got hurt, that Zach Wilson and the Zach Wilson we saw for the last five looked like two completely different men. One looked like somebody who didn't belong in the league. The second Zach Wilson looked like what could be an above average NFL starting quarterback, if I'm being honest. I'm, I don't think, you know, I, there's, there's reason to believe that Zach could be good. I don't know about great, but there's reason to believe he could at least be good right now. And part of that reason, it's, I mean, Mike Carter and Elijah Moore, they look like real, legit offensive weapons. It feels like it's been forever since the Jets have produced and drafted their own homegrown offensive talent. Even the ones who were all right, Dustin Keller for a little bit, Sean Green for a little bit, they almost never get a guy to a second deal, especially on offense. Their, their, their ability to find offensive talent has been absolutely abysmal over the course of the last 15 years. I mean, second-round receivers alone, you want to tie someone I wasn't worried about, Elijah Moore, the second-round receivers alone that the, I've seen the Jets take just in recency, I mean, Stephen Hill, um, why can't I think of that guy's Devin Smith from Ohio State, um, well, Jason Morrow, tight end, Texas Tech, they took him in the second round. They have just been absolutely piss poor at drafting offensive talent, and it shows. And, I mean, it, we said people want to talk about Mac Jones or even, you know, Burrow, Herbert, whatever. You, the fact of the matter is, no matter, you could put Tom Brady on this team that we started the 2020 season with and even, you know, the 2021 season with, and they would not have found success because the rest of the team around them was largely trash. Braxton Berrios, very weird situation they're going to be in bringing him back next offseason. Do you treat him like a return man? Is he a gadget player? Do you pay him like a legitimate slot receiver? I don't know. But Michael Carter and Elijah Moore, they, they, they look like two offensive players the Jets really hit the nail on the head with in the draft as far as bringing in their own offensive weapons. So things are looking up if all these players that continue. Bryce Hall incredible. Brandon Echols looks very good for a sixth-round pick. The young talent on this team did what we needed them to do. They got better as the year went on. They won a few games, and then even they come in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was a huge game for Zach Wilson. I know they didn't win the game, but it's exactly what the Jets needed to see. They needed to see them compete against a legitimate playoff and Super Bowl contending team and almost win the game. They were in a, they were in the position to win the game, communication breakdown on defense, whatever you want to say, oh, it's the same old Jets. Look, we didn't need them to win that game, so I take that as an absolute win because it kept them in the four-win category and keeping them inside the top five of the draft while showing you something about what Zach Wilson could be and what this Jets team can be moving forward in the future. 
Speaking of the future, it does look bright. I mean, so we kind of didn't really touch on it. The Giants have almost no cap space, right? I mean, it, the problem is where's the help coming from because they don't have any money to bring any more help in. Jets, not the same deal. Current picks that they own in this in the 2020 draft come April. Numbers 4, 10, 35, and 38. 39, 108, and then the rest of these picks might get, you know, they're going to get finalized after the competent compensatory picks excuse me are totally figured out but it's roughly going to be 114 144 and 159 it's the first time the jets have had four picks in the top 40 i think maybe ever they also currently have 54.365 million dollars in available cap space according to over the cap so there's plenty of avenues for this jets team to get better they have money to bring guys in. We could fix up that offensive line. Carl Lawson is going to come back. I'm willing to bet Marcus May probably walks. Um, they have money. Joe Douglas has already said that he would be open to moving some of this draft capital for proven players. So, I mean, I don't know if it, it – I guess it depends the player, the deal, what exactly it is. But, like, I don't see – I don't think the Jets are a player or two away yet. You know, so – I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, you know, situations happen, guys become available, things, you know, things change. Shit changes every day in the NFL. But right now, I just don't know. They're not like one or two guys away from from making a, a huge difference. So I would probably keep those draft picks and, and just get as much young talent as I could on that defense. Defense, defense, defense for me this offseason if I'm the New York Jets. That's, you know, a little bit of offensive line help, but definitely they couldn't stop a nosebleed this past year, and it showed – and look at like even good teams like the Chargers, if you want to call them a good team, wound up missing the playoffs. Justin Herbert, everyone loves Justin Herbert. Everyone, I love Justin Herbert. We're doing the Burrow Herbert thing. Burrow Herbert, Burrow Herbert. They could be as great as they want. They're the 32nd ranked run defense in the NFL. They've you know they couldn't win or tie a game when it mattered against the Raiders, and now they're also at home playing golf. Same situation. They're probably Justin and, and Zach Wilson playing on the same tee. They're in the same foursome, you know? So if you can't stop people, it doesn't matter how well the offense is doing, and their defense is very bad. They need to get better and younger on defense. That is um, – that's all I have on the Jets. That's all I have on the Giants. Really wanted to make sure I talked about the indie thing. I don't want to talk – I mean – all right. So let's just do it quick. The Chargers – Raiders, Sunday night football, week 18. Because Indy winds up losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars, there's obviously the situation due to deep tiebreakers and everything else where had the Raiders and the Chargers tied each other, the Steelers would be out of the playoffs, the Raiders and the Chargers would both be in. Now we're thinking this is impossible. Both of these teams are going to want to win. It's a divisional rivalry. It's Sunday Night Football. You want to bring good momentum into the playoffs. And, like, you don't want to play for a tie because I can't wait to hear what Alessino has to say about this, honestly, because he's been killing people who played for ties for years now. I, and, honestly, I think it would be really entertaining content to hear, hear him freak out about this. But sure as shit, here we are. Um, you know, I think it's late in the third or early in the fourth quarter. It's, like, two, 15 points, I think, the Chargers are down. And here comes Herbert, and all of a sudden, 29-29 overtime, here we go. 
Uh, I believe Raiders kicked the field goal. Chargers kicked the field goal. All right, perfect. We both kicked field goals. Maybe this tie is going to happen now, right? Less than a minute left. We all know what happens. Looks like the Raiders might be running the clock down right around the 50. Brandon Staley calls timeout. Weird, though, because he waited in like an extra 10 seconds instead of just calling it right away. So it was like a weird move by him. And then, event, you know, Josh Jacobs rips a huge run. They kick the field goal. Raiders are in. Chargers are out. Steelers are in. Then after the game, you got the long snapper, number 47, possibly caught by a camera, talking to Austin Eckler, saying, hey, man, you know, we were going to run out the clock, but then your coach called timeout. So, I mean, big conspiracy. What are you going to do? I think it's a bigger conspiracy if this game is a tie, right? Because, I mean, there's too much at stake, and it's it's so hard for, to see ties happening. But it would have been definitely the most memorable tie in the history of the National Football League, if not all pro sports. But we still got a good moment about it. You know, everyone was still talking about it earlier this week. Anyway, I, let's just call it what it is. I don't think the Chargers deserve it. I mean, the Steelers definitely don't deserve it too, but, I mean, goddamn, at least they won their game in Week 18 to give themselves a chance. reason I don't think the Chargers deserved it is that they just, they really pretty much only beat up on bad teams, but they even lost to bad teams. The Texans smacked the shit out of them, you know? And I just, you can't be, I don't want to see a team be that bad on defense and then get in at 9-8. and eight. I just, it's not for me. Other thing, I'm not positive about this either, but I'm pretty sure if there was a tie situation, the Raiders would have gotten the seven seed and had to go to Kansas City. So you can't blame them for not wanting to play Kansas City in the first round and going for the win. So that's what I got to say about that. Let's take a quick break. So let's be honest for a second. I'm wearing Saatchi Di Denaro. This hoodie, this has got to be the most comfortable thing that I've worn in a while. So if you're going to wear this, Make sure you wear it on Monday. Why? Because it's motivated money-making Monday morning, baby. And if it's not Monday, you better make sure it's on a Friday. It's Fresh Cut Friday on Fresh Fit Friday. And we got codes for this the holiday season. What are they? The code is HAVOC, H-A-V-O-C, at checkout for 10% off your total purchase. That's SachiDDenero.com. Brand new release, brand new arrivals, the new Sachi hoodie. It's got the logo embossed on the hood. They're available in clay and gray-blue. You want to go get those fast. Come on, go get it now. Sachi Di Dinero, always authentic, never counterfeit. All right, what up, guys? We are back. Um, we're going to go over the games here. You know, the wild card extravaganza. It's kind of a little sad that I'm in here in the studio by myself doing this. Because wild card weekend is the best weekend for playoff football, obviously, because there's so many games. Excuse me. And, of course, we had the added factor of the extra game this year. So we're going to get right into it. I kind of played guess the lines by myself. I wrote down the game. I wrote down my lines for every game. Then next to them, I wrote the real lines. So I will tell you, I mean, I'm not really playing against anyone here, but it's just good to, you know, get a feel for where the line is going to be at. You know, gives you a good feeling on on where, which side of the line you might want to play. So right off the rip, we're going to go Saturday, 4.30 p.m. game. The first game is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengal Tigers. I think Cincinnati's a better team. But like we said, every time we're ready to crown these guys, they come and they, you know, they show us that maybe we're not quite ready yet. Derek Carr just they got something. 
This Raider team has something about them, and I'm just not quite sure what it is. I got Cincy, but I guessed Cincy minus three and a half at home. I figured, you know, this might be a close game right around that field goal range. Vegas disagree with me. They had Cincy minus five and a half. I'll tell you right now, I love smoking Joe Burrow, Jackpot Joe, Joey Covers, Joe Cool, whatever you want to call him, Big Shot Burrow, ISO Joe, whatever you want to call this guy, I love him. He's one of my favorite young quarterbacks in the league. I like the connection with Jamar Chase. I really like this team. I'm probably going to wind up betting them, but there's just something about those Raiders that I don't like. But anyway, we're going to move on. 8.15 p.m., the Saturday night game. Eastern time, of course. The New England, this is the AFC East Bowl. The New England Patriots are going to travel to Buffalo, New York to take on the Buffalo Bills. So I just think New England really, again, another team outside of the out, weird outlier game with the Buffalo when, when Mac Jones only throws the ball three times or whatever it is. They didn't really beat a lot of good or great teams. At least it didn't feel like they did. And then they go ahead and they uh, do what they did last week with Miami. I had Buffalo right around a touchdown at six and a half. Vegas disagrees with me. They take they have Buffalo currently at a minus four. And I'm definitely going to smash that because fuck the Patriots. I mean, the Bills, whatever, grab some too. But I don't hate you like I hate the Patriots. And I actually, you know, it'd be nice to see this Bills team. These this Bills fan base, you know, get some playoff wins, maybe even a Super Bowl while the Jets are still figuring it out. You know, it's a little easier for me to root for you guys when the Jets are only winning four games a year. So, you know, let's go Bills. Buffalo minus four. I'll take Buffalo. I'm going to roll it right into the Sunday games. Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Birds, are going to their final resting place in Tampa Bay, Florida. To play Tron Brady and the Buccaneers. I am so mad at myself with this one. I had Tampa Bay laying nine and a half. It's Tampa Bay laying eight and a half. Could have been 12 and a half. Go Bucks all day. I mean, uh, one thing I learned from a very young age is you just never bet against Tom Brady. And we're going to leave it at that. You know, I mean, I wouldn't really be too worried about the upset here. Sorry, Connor. I'm not even talking shit at this point. It's just... Not against Tom. Not this time. Um, the 4.30 game. Now, this is an interesting one. It's the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Dallas. I guessed it would be Dallas minus 5.5. Vegas disagrees with me. Uh, they got Dallas minus 3. And I'll tell you right now, this might be my playoff glizzy. This has got potential to be my playoff glizzy god pick of the week. Uh, I just really like San Fran. You know, their defense is good. They're going to be able to rattle you. And when Jimmy's right, that offense is good too. I mean, Debo can do it all. They're running all kinds of shit where, honestly, Jimmy doesn't even need to play that great for them to put up good offense. Debo will throw the ball. Debo will run the ball. Debo will catch the ball. George Kittle will block. Pancake guys catch touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk all of a sudden's waking up on that jet sweep they like to give him. I just think they're a really good coach team, and I'm like, you know, we've been kind of bad on – low on Mike McCarthy all year. And I just, Dallas is like, I'm, I'm always worried about the high-powered teams that play their best football in the middle of the schedule, you know? Like, they that they kind of, it's almost like they tapered off, and now we're going to try to return it back on against a team that's hungry 
and it just came off of a win and that if they give us an inch, we're gonna they're gonna take if we give them an inch, they're gonna take a mile in the trenches. I like San Fran here. Sunday night game, eight fifteen. This is Pitt at Kansas City. Swear to God, I told you the way I got I did this playing guest lines against myself here. I put KC minus twelve and a half. It is, at least currently right now, where we sit, KC minus 12 and a half. I honestly, I'll tell you where my head was at on this one. I was thinking it should be 14, 14 and a half over two touchdowns. I think that's really where it should be. But especially with all this action over the course of the weekend, Vegas wants you to play. You're not going to touch 14 and a half because over two touchdowns in a playoff game, even if it is Pittsburgh, is fucking crazy, right? I mean... I thought 17 with the Jets last week was crazy in the Bills game, and it wound up being a push. But 12 and a half looks a little bit more tasty to somebody than 14 and a half. And I think it's the right line, and I, and I would probably take Kansas City here. Pittsburgh, I mean, Ben basically said it today that the team doesn't belong there, which is a weird thing to say. I think Ben was probably secretly praying for a time more than anybody else, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the final game. Monday, we got a Monday night game. Instead of just giving us the old three for three, three on Saturday, three on Sunday, they had to get one more Monday night football game in there with uh, Brian Greasy and the boys. It's the game we all knew was going to happen. We're all riding the Los Angeles Rams to the fucking moon. It's the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Los Angeles to play the Rams in a playoff game. They split this this season one game apiece. I don't buy Kyler. I don't buy Cliff Kingsbury. I don't buy this team late in the year, in the winter. It's as simple as that. I had the Rams minus three and a half. It's Rams minus four. I'm betting the Rams in this game. I've had money on the Rams to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to double down, as a matter of fact, on, on the Rams to win the Super Bowl. All right? That's how confident I am in the Rams right now. And they're not really playing great. But you know what? San Fran's a good team. If they can get right against Arizona on Monday night and keep it moving, I'm going to keep my faith with Sean McVay with a competent quarterback in the playoffs. Until they lose. It's that simple. So real quick, let me just – I threw in my paper. but What your boy likes this week, at least right now on Wednesday, is uh, – I kind of like Cincinnati minus five and a half. I, you know what? I don't like Cincinnati minus five and a half. I like the Cincinnati money line. I love Buffalo minus four. I love, love, love Tampa Bay minus eight and a half. I love San Fran money line or San Fran plus three. Either way you want to slice it. I mean, if you want to be ballsy, go for that money line. I love San Fran plus three. Definitely. I mean, 12 and a half is a lot, but the Steelers kind of suck. So I like Kansas City minus 12 and a half. And uh, I definitely love Rams minus four because I'm sticking to my guns here. What my absolute love out of these one, two, three, four, five, six games that we have going on this week. The one that I absolutely love the most, bar none. All right, it's a tie. It's Buffalo minus four and San Fran money. Those are the two I love the most. So that's going to be my wild card weekend. Big dick swing of the week, folks. It's going to be the San Francisco 49ers minus uh, plus three. The Buffalo Bills minus four. Stamp it. Send it to the bank. 
and obviously the Glizzy God was the San Francisco 49ers as well. So that's um that's really pretty much gonna be our show for you guys this week. Sorry it was a little short, although I'm looking over. Looks like I'm pushing 40, 50 minutes. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I did a good job, maybe I didn't. Let me know what you guys think. Going solo is definitely not easy. It was the first time for me. Not obviously the ideal situation we want to be in, but the boys are, you know, they're getting better. They're feeling better. They'll be back. They're all vaxxed up. And everyone will be back next week. So uh, until next time, we're brought to you by House of Havoc Podcasting, Tiger Pack Productions, Stay Thirsty Company, and Sachi Di Peace out.